We're a few days early, but Happy New Year's. Yes, Happy New Year. And this is Hyperborean Radio. I'm Celtic God. The other voice is the Lord Keeper, as always. This episode brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. Yes, and the people that support us on Buy Me a Coffee and Teespring. And the amazing amount of shares that we get. Oh, yes. Thank you very much for everybody that shares us around. It is much appreciated. All right. So now that we got all the thank yous out of the way, this time of the year, it's we're we're passing through the Yuletide into the new year. What does all of this mean? Well, the the way when we was talking earlier, and I think really it's a good way to get people to understand the, the meaning behind all of this, because empty ceremony we're trying to do away with that but you have the great hunt and it culminates in yule which we just celebrated whether it's the the yule celebration christmas our lord and savior chris kringle whether it's a hundred percent accurate or not it's the time that we could get together then we have the lull and then we have the new year so what is this it's the passing of the year and the example I gave, which I don't know if it'll make sense to most people, but we've passed through the year and then, you know, like when somebody's in the hospital and they're dying of old age, they always have that peak. And then there, a lot of hospitals, because unfortunately that's where most people die now, a lot of hospitals will say they've peaked. If you want to say goodbye, now is the time to do it. And then everybody gathers, they say goodbye. They'll, they'll be joking and laughing because some people just can't believe it's over, so on and so forth. Whatever, whatever. Most people has gone through this. And then the person quickly deteriorates and passes. You have the funeral, which currently we're in the dying slash funeral portion of it now that Chris Kringle has come and gone. And then comes the wake, which is New Year's, ushering in the new year, the celebration of birth of the new year. In human terms, that'd be celebrating the life that had passed and then celebrating the the birth of the person in in the other realm, in the, the realm of the ancestors. Because at least for the, the Celtic ones, I haven't found any proof of this in the uh, Scandinavian. But for the Celts, when somebody dies, they're born into the other realm. So we're born here and then we're born there. We don't just transition as adults. Well, and that's kind of... What I've been trying to point out when I... Because I've gone off on this before. The solstices are not what the holiday is about. We're, you're not celebrating the winter solstice. You're not celebrating the summer solstice. You're not celebrating the fall and the spring equinoxes. These are points in time before you have calendars, like modern Gregorian calendars, before you have clocks that tell you exactly what time it is, supposedly, and time zones. Well, and you I can hear the one nature. person out there saying... But not all of our tribes celebrated the new year in January. Some of them, and actually more than a few of them, celebrated it in June or May. Or Yes, this is true. However, we still had Yule, the passing, and the early birth in the beginning part of the year. They might not have counted it as a new year until planting season, but it, it was still a, a custom, and I'm just bringing it into an explanation for the modern mind. Of why this. It, <clears throat> in reality what it is. Is you have the, the great hunt. The family starts gathering. You do things we've already explained. It's not necessarily a day or two days. It's, it's weeks. Potentially a little over a month. 
Then you have the culmination, the the Yule log, the Yule fire, so on and so forth, which we've described, I think it was in the last episode, typically was done in like a grove or a central central hearth of the village. And they build this fire up. Well, now is the, the dying time. People are going to have to go home because not everybody lives in that village. They might live the next village over or two villages over and they, they came to you or you went to them. So then you let the fire die down. This is this is the dying time. We're letting the fire die down. Then when the, the fire's all cooled down and it'll, eh, it's going to vary. How big was your fire? So it might be Jan, uh, December 28th or it might be January 7th. Uh, because these fires, it takes longer to cool down and die than what people think once you build them up that big. So then you have another celebration. It's the last hurrah before they go home or before everybody just says, fuck it, I'm wore out and I'm going home and I'm going to sleep for two months straight because I want to. That's that's the New Year's celebration, that last hurrah before everybody goes home or goes goes to sleep. And you, you hug, or you show affection to the people that you know, maybe the people that you just met, because let's say hypothetically, you're in this village, your cousins from two villages over come over, but they bring some, some people with them who might not have anybody in their own village or they're just really close friends. Let's travel over there. You just met them. You greet them. You, it's great to, it's great to have meet, met you. You hug them and you kiss them and all this other wonderful stuff. And same thing with the, the people that you know because you might not see them for a year, if ever again. So it's, greetings and and goodbyes and and i don't know exactly how to describe it but i'm trying i am trying so hard because it's one of those one of those things i take it for granted that everybody knows it but apparently everybody doesn't until i can describe it and then they're like ah yes yeah i get it well basically what it is is you have Christmas or the Yuletide and you have sort of that build up that slow build up where everyone preps for the holiday and you have the big celebration and that would be equivalent to when someone's dying it's that peak right before they die a lot of people who've had family members or pets or someone that is close to death and they have that brief period where they have a lot more energy it's usually indicative that the death is coming soon Mm -hmm. and it's a good time to say goodbye or a good time to revel one last time before the death to share of, in the memories. Yes. And you're, they're usually lucid then as well mm-hmm. if they're, they have dementia or something like that. And then you have the funeral, which is usually the, the point when the Yule fire is dying down after the main revelry. Yeah, this is all symbolic, by the way. Yes. I mean, unfortunately, it does actually literally happen to some people. But in general, this is symbolic. People want symbolic stuff. Here's your symbolism. Yes. And then... Basically, New Year's, whenever that is, when the Yule fires died down, you have one big glass party as a remembering the old year and the new year is coming in. You know, it's like, why do we sing Auld Lang Syne, Old Long Sense, around New Year's? Should old acquaintance be forgotten, all these other things? Mm-hmm. It's because of that. It's a birth and a death. We even have this in uh, the symbolism of uh, Father Time and Baby New Year. Yeah, because Father Time dies the end of the year and Baby New Year is born the next year. It's just some holdover symbolism, but it's 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 a good example. It's what happens. It's a it's a cycle. Every year ends. And like we said, everything's ish 
in ethnic ways because it's more nature-based. It's more how things actually are more than trying to make them fit a specific mold. So, like you said, that last hurrah could be January 7th. It could be December 28th. It could be December 26th. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But in general, there's a last hurrah. And then people go home, they go to sleep, and then the pragmatic element of our people, because we just went over the symbolic element, is this big Yule fire. First of all, it's a giant celebration in the beginning of winter. Mm -hmm. So everybody has a fire maybe multiple bonfires one big one or several smaller ones or both it basically depends on the available resources how many people are involved so on and so forth. it's an ish it's yes. a lot it's of an ish. ish yes there really is no wrong way to do it and in today's world it's not a big deal if you can't do the yule fire don't freak out i know there's some people that's like oh my goodness i can't do the yule fire am i actually pagan yes Yes, you can still follow the ethnic way without having a Yule fire. Yes, but this fire is not just warmth. It's not just a central thing for celebration. When it dies down, there's the hot coals. Mm -hmm. Anyone that has built up a fire before will know that hot coals are very valuable. And even once they're not hot anymore, coal is still really good fuel. Right. So then you start like, what do you call a cold coal? Coal. So what do you do? You go and you get you collect up the coal once they're cooled down or maybe, you know, if someone's got to leave early or you're trying to do like a symbolism. People love symbolism. Right. It's the communal fire. And then people take it home. And I don't know, a, a Dutch oven or whatever we had before Dutch ovens. And take yeah, it there, there was a there was a tool just so, so that, you know, there was a tool. Uh, I forget what it was called, but it, was, it literally was like a Dutch oven to look at it. And it just had really thick walls. It was just an insulated Dutch oven. And it was the entire intention of it was to carry coals, hot coals. But then people can either bring it home to their hearth fire or they can, you know, use it to light fires on their way home, depending on how far they have to travel. Maybe you got married during the Yule Tide mm -hmm. or maybe you gave birth during the Yule Tide. So there's this reason for celebration and you have to you're bringing the communal fire into your home fire, into your own right. hearth. Well, and as far as the New Year's thing, I, I know I described it as people leaving and going home, but it could also be you left Village A. Uh, you, you live in Village B. You went to Village A for Yule. Well, shoot, I got to hurry up and get home. And then when you get home, now it's rather than the New Year's celebration, which is what I'm going to call it just for familiarity, rather than it being goodbye, I love you, won't see you again for another year or whatever. It might be a greeting. Ah, you made it back. Welcome welcome home. It, it's both of these things. It's both a goodbye and a greeting. It just depends on exactly where you're standing, exactly what happened. And that's the New Year's celebration. The Yule Fire, as you mentioned, it's the coals. It's not just symbolic. It is also pragmatic. It's what our people do. Uh, whether the coals are hot or cold. And if you live in Village B, you went and you celebrated in Village A, where your brother lives, whatever. You go back home, you're taking part of the hearth fire, the Yule fire, home with you. So it's a communal bond. There is a lot of symbolism, but it's not this weird esoteric symbolism. And it's got a pragmatic base to it. Well, and that's kind of the thing is all of our ethnic ways, they're both about 
on the most base level, they're about living a life worth living. Mm -hmm. So that includes keeping you alive because you have to be alive to live the life. But then there's also trying to live a, a full life, yeah, a, a real life, life worth living. Well, because most people have forgotten how to people. They've forgotten how to live. And something as simple as the New Year's has lost all meaning other than switching out your calendars. Because that's, mm -hmm. that's how I see the New Year's. That's how I've always seen the New Year's. I've never been like, woohoo, it's a new year. Right. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a thousand resolutions and all these other things. No, I, I, it's always just put a calendar up like i might try one year do a resolution and then like most people right but you are aware of a lot of the things that people do oh no uh, i know but that's what i'm getting at is since it's without the things we just talked about that we started the podcast with most people that's what new year's has been rendered down to yeah it becomes empty ceremony and obligation i don't want to do it because a lot of people are bypassing new year celebrations and so on and so forth now because it's hollow because they're just going through the motions and our people don't like just going through the motions. That's why a lot of us are miserable when we go to work is because we know that we're just going through the motions and it doesn't ultimately serve a purpose. Well, it's also one of the reasons we don't really bother with most holidays anymore because mm -hmm. our people are increasingly dropping all of our holy days. Yeah, all New of them. New Year's is just an obvious example because you're coming right off the tail end of one of the most popular holidays and you're going into well and i think a lot of the the holiday depression that happens whether it's yule new year's easter even halloween has a depression um period for people i think it's because it's 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 become empty and hollow they don't understand what it actually is and what it's for and what the purpose is yeah they understand on a surface level well it's about community it yes it is and ultimately, that is what it's about. But there's more to it. It's the, the community building aspect of it. Like something as simple as a wreath. Everybody's aware of the wreaths. I bring up the wreath because I'm staring at a wreath. It serves an actual function. It's not just a decoration. It, the wreath, the Christmas wreath, whether it's a Christmas wreath, I think the one in Easter is actually called an Easter wreath. Regardless of what time of the season it is, they serve an actual function. There's a reason that we make the wreath. Well, like, for instance, uh, usually it's to play games. So you have, like, the Maypole, for instance. You'll have people you, making wreaths and doing a ring toss game. During winter, you have the pine tree wreaths. Mm -hmm. And the pine tree wreaths, usually they'll end up playing hunting games, like throwing sticks, javelins, things of that nature. And you're just about to enter hunting period. Mm -hmm. So good hunting. Yes. Well, that's kind of what we, we've even done posts and talked about it before. The moonlit hunt, the winter hunt, the wild hunt. Yes. And that's part of the whole point. You should have most of your food saved up. But if you want to supplement it with a little bit of venison, with a little bit of wild boar, with a little bit of whatever you can get out in the woods, this is good hunting season. Well, and we've mentioned like the winter sleep a lot. It doesn't mean that you literally sleep all winter long. It means it, it just means it's a time of rest. When you're tired, you sleep. When you're not, you don't. We can't do a full on winter sleep, but we do encourage people that when you're home and you don't have something else that you have to do, if you're tired, rather than fighting the tired, just lay the fuck down. Even if you just stare at the ceiling for 15 minutes and just rest and then get back up if you're not if you're not tired. Some people will actually sleep more. Some people will sleep less. Or like they'll lay around a little bit more in the beginning part. And then next thing you know, 
15 minutes a night. That's all that I sleep. I don't know why. I don't even drink any. Uh, no caffeine goes into me. I just don't sleep. I'm not tired. Some people are like that. Other people are like, oh, man, I slept like 14 hours yesterday. I can't believe it. All the and the, the full spectrum happens, which is how winter hunts happen. Not everybody's asleep. But some people are still awake, so they want something to do. And what better to do than make the foodstuffs a little while longer? Right. And you know how in the north we have all these these little parades, right, where, where we go around door to door. Even if we don't go in, we, we go around and we're basically just walking the streets. There's a lot of them that died off. That was actually through like January to March oh. where they would go through and just like sing a little song. And then that's it. That, that's, that's the whole thing. They just walk in a procession, singing a little song. It's, it calls back to see, making sure that your neighbors are alive. Yep. Are they alive and well? Well, and that's part of the making noise. That's part of the usually either bringing or saying, hey, can we have some booze? Well, sometimes that'd be incorporated, yeah. And then there's also customs involved where if, you're, if you was awake during your um, uh, winter sleep, which this actually came up really close to the modern the modern day. If you was available for um, visitation for not customers, the other word company. If you was available for company and maybe seeking company, you put a light in the window so that when they're walking by, oh, there's a light in the window. I'll go up and I'll see Bob and we'll have a cup of tea. Make sure everything is all good, no problems. If there is problems, I'll help them sort them out. And now I'll take my ass back home and I'm getting kind of tired. So when I go home, I'm going to go back to sleep. If the person was just alive, but they didn't want company there, they might have a little light and usually like carrying around with them because no electricity. Well, and then you also have, cause you accidentally said customers. It's not wrong. You're not going to go to your neighbor Bob's house and, you know, start haggling over chicken eggs or something. Right. Well, but you might. You might. But there's um, general stores. Like, you, you go out to the countryside, the general store wins it open whenever Frank's not fishing. Yes. What if- I, I mean, for real, that, that has actually happened. And a lot of people can't understand that. And it still does happen in some areas. If there, there'll be a sign everybody takes as a joke. We're open this time to this time, except for when we're not. And. So and on, so they forth. might even have a gone fishing sign up. Yeah, that's not a joke. Yeah, they, that's what they went and did. Or they just didn't feel like coming in today. <laughs> so you have to go and check to see if they're there. It's it's not incorrect. And while we, we frown on mercantilism, vendors is not an issue. Well, we've always had some form of cash. What people what's happening. This is actually one of the many customs that's become meaningless is the common currency, the reason it's the common currency, is everybody agrees it has value. So you have, in ancient pagan times, you'd have steel, you'd have amber, squirrel pelts in Finland. It's that was these, an interesting one. I mean, it is valuable. You can make fur coats, and the buggers are hard to, to kill. So th- th- there's a limiter. Uh, I think one, in recent times, when there was an economic downturn, one Swedish guy had made a currency that was backed by honey. Uh, in his village so that they could withstand the economic hardship. But currency used to just be the thing everybody values. Mm -hmm. A war like people like our own people are going to value things like steel. Steel, bronze, brass, 
copper, tin, the things that make... Does does any of this ring a bell for our people? Gold was introduced to us because... And it's not that it was without value, but gold in the North for the longest time was considered only decoration. It's ornamentation. It's ornamentation, so therefore it didn't have much value. No, and amber... Amber's really pretty. I, I'm not going to lie. Our people like shiny things. Goblin brain says shiny thing must yeah, have. Yeah, goblin brain says shiny. Shiny. But there's all these different customs. For anybody new that just heard that, goblins aren't these evil little things that you saw in Tol- Tolkien stories. No. They're or just, any of the other myriad of stories. They're, they're not rapey. They're, no. They're, they're closer to... They're like nature spirit slash smithing. Yeah, think of... Uh, I guess kind of like a home uh, a home spirit that's feral and doesn't have a home. Kind of, yeah. I mean, there's there's better ways to describe it, but that'll do for Yeah, now. I can't think of one. There's no good man. way. This is the other thing that I've noticed, and it ties into everything else we've said, is paganism, or ethnic faith, ethnic ways, is inherently extremely normal. People want it to be very, very exotic. But here's the thing, is it's your ethnic ways. It's not going to be exotic. Right. It's going to be normal. In and fact, not it's yours go- as an individual, yours as an ethnic group. Yes. So, like, in Germany, there's all sorts of weird stuff Germans do that everybody else is like, wow, what the fuck is up with the right. Germans? In but it makes case, sense it's to the tribal Germans. rather than ethnic, but it's that particular tribal group. Yes. And, and that's kind of the point is a lot of people will kind of take our ethnic traditions and then mumble it all up with other stuff, whether it's aliens, whether it's, I don't really want to get into that all the way, but basically they'd start trying to use it to solve like the great secrets of the history channel. And that's not what it's the for. The thing is, is most of those secrets aren't so secret. No. Well, it's, they're incredibly mundane. Well, here's the esoteric meaning of the ethnic ways. I'll, I'll spell it out for you. Living a life worth living and keeping yourself alive to do it. That's why custom. That's why the stories are how to best live your life. They're fun. They're f- imbued with lessons. They're symbolic. Like uh, we brought this up before, like the Muspelheim and Niflheim sort of creation element in Eddic lore. It's from Iceland, a land that literally has in real time lava hitting ice cold water, creating land. Yes. What do you think it was representing? It, it's not that complicated. It, it's just reflection of well, the... And the fur, uh, we've noticed the further away from your particular tribal group that you get, the, the more esoteric you have to get with it. Well, it's like um, there's stories of Paul Bunyan. Because we grew up... Well, you grew up especially hearing Paul Bunyan tales because of where you were from. But there's different sp- spots in the upper Midwest that are actually associated with a legend of Paul Bunyan. Now, if you don't know that specific spot, then it becomes esoteric. Well, you see, this is because we've actually had people do that, like try to connect Babe, the big blue ox to like Hathor from Egyptian mythology. And we just stare at him like, what the heck is wrong with you? It's did you bump your head? Good, sir. Yes. And this was one of our friends. So in good humor, basically what it is, is when you're too far removed, it gets odd it gets strange you don't have the cultural context to fully get it and it's not because the because well like with the what is it Ten Thousand lakes everybody there knows paul bunyan and babe did not stomp around and literally cause Ten Thousand lakes 
but it's a nice story. Well, it's like, and they understand that it doesn't make it less important. No, as well, a matter of fact, they take great pride in that story. Yes, it's fun. It's like Pecos Bill did not dig the the Grand Canyon, and I've seen fistfights. Was it Pecos Bill or Paul Bunyan caused the Grand Canyon? And or potentially it was neither because one story involves Babe having a plow hooked onto her and her running wild, and that caused the Grand Canyon. Well, and then is Babe and a her, seen, her and him? Yeah, exactly. And I've seen fist fights break out over this, even though they know this is not literally true. It doesn't matter. No, but they care about which story is the right one to say, darn it. Yeah. And it's it's going to be the same for our people throughout time. And you're not going to like every deity or every hero from your folklore. And then it's going to localize. Like, I've brought this up before, like Finn McCool. Celtic warrior over in, you know, the Celtic lands. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scotland, Ireland, things like that. And all his stories, even if they're set in the long, long ago, you can see them immediately. Right. The story of the Giant's Causeway, people who live by the Giant's Causeway will see it and be like, oh, yeah, maybe he didn't really create it. But it's it's a ni- neat story. It's the same thing over here with our stories. Right. And people listening, some people probably clicked off because they think that we lost the plot. We did not lose the plot. I promise you, this actually has to do with what we was talking about in the beginning. The why. The Why? Not the empty ceremony, but why do these ceremonies exist? They're not empty. And when they become, once people stop understanding and they lose their pragmatic, it becomes, it moves from, uh, from ceremony into ritual or is it the other way around? Well, it's hollow regardless. Right. And then it becomes an obligation and then we just stop doing it. And honestly, that's a natural progression of things. But we need, if we stop doing one thing, we need to start doing another thing that has meaning to keep us together, to remind us of who we are, of why it is that we do the things that we do. Because I've heard pagans complain about the ball drop in New York and L.A. and Tokyo. And this ball drop is not, is, is not old. It was invented in 19 whatever the fuck. It doesn't matter. It's true. We didn't celebrate at the height of midnight on December 31st, transitioning into January 1st, a thousand years ago. Well, maybe a thousand years ago. Uh, Time for our people is weird. But yeah, the midnight celebration became a thing with the advent of clocks and specifically precision clocks, because then everybody could celebrate exactly the same moment. Hurrah! At exactly the same moment, because or at least as close as they could get because they have precision clocks. So everybody's within a minute of each other. And it makes the hurrah even more hurrah. But that doesn't mean that it's meaningless. I mean, think about it. They're trying to pull community together from across the land. A a unity of community across the land. That is the point, is building community and unity amongst the people. Well, and there is a law of diminishing returns, Mm -hmm. which is something our people don't quite realize. It's like it's good to celebrate with your entire country, but then it becomes a bit odd with New Year's, for instance, because New Year's in a country as large as the United States is like five time zones. More if you count like Hawaii and all the other territories. So you quit literally can't celebrate 
New Year's at the exact same time as all of a nation. You can kind of just standardize and celebrate when New York does it because that's going to happen first and it's going to and it has the ball drop. So people can do that. But then, you know, people in California are waiting a few more hours. Right. I mean, the people on the East Coast, it makes sense. Celebrate with New York. People in L.A., a little less so because it's only like nine o'clock there. And in Hawaii, well, heck, they got to wait six hours. They got to wait a while. Yeah, it's only six o'clock. For, for the people in Hawaii, why would they necessarily celebrate with people in New York? So how does this link to the stories of Paul Bunyan and, and all this stuff? Stories. Stories. Well, we've always we taught via stories. stories. Yes. We've always taught via stories. And that's what I was getting at with the Finn McCool. People might not always be able to grab a hold of Finn McCool in, like, let's say Texas or Utah or wherever, because there are local stories of gunslinger and like gold miner Finn McCool in the United States. It's hard to come by, but they exist. They might even know some of the old Irish and Scottish stories, but the, the ones that people are going to grab a hold of are the ones where they can look around and be like, that's where Finn McCool did the thing. Yeah, it, it's that's the mountain upon which he lives and yes. he guards the river that flows down. Yes. And then they might even hold a celebration there because I know that in like the mountain and river thing, there actually was a celebration where people troop up the fucking mountain and hold a celebration because of Fen McCool. Well, and that's the thing is some people might be like, well, it doesn't count because it's it's only a few hundred years old or whatever. No, it's just the localization of traditions. It's like the jack-o'-lantern is no less a jack-o'-lantern because it's made out of a pumpkin instead of a turnip. Why is it with Hyperboreans, it has to be something that's 5,000 years old or it's not ancient? When any other culture on the planet, any other peoples on the planet, something that they've been doing for 200 years is considered ancient and traditional. 50 years. 50 years in some, in some cases. So in some cases, even less. It's a traditional means of producing something or other, and they've only been doing it for 20 years. Why Why is it that way for everyone but us? The other peoples aren't saying, well, no, it's not actually traditional because it's it didn't start until 1764. What the fuck? We're the only ones that do that to us. We need to stop. Just, just stop doing that. Yes, some things are older than, than other things, and... Probably tracking that's a good idea, but it doesn't mean that we can't freaking do it. Well, the does, way I, does it add to who we are? Does it bring us together? That's the important thing. Well, and then here's the thing is almost everything in our culture can be traced really far back. Mm -hmm. Like Frosty the Snowman. Yeah, he's less than 100 years old. But you know what's not less than 100 years old? The snowman lore he's based on. Yeah, that's so old. We don't know when that started. Well, we only have records of it back to the Middle Ages. That's when they started keeping records. They pretty much just forgot the peasantry existed for the better part of 1,500 mm, years. Pretty much anything beyond that turns into archaeology. Archaeology and rich snobs. Yeah. Because that, that's well, what they the, would... the few rich people, yeah. Because that's what most things would get written on. Either the famous people, so like the heroes, the whatever, or the rich people. Because they'd be the ones you'd keep track Unless of. Unless they was complaining. About the poor people, like with the priests, for instance, Middle Ages is, is an example uh, with the song that spawned green sleeves, which spawned what child is this? Yes, it started out as a heathen song and we only know about it because they complained about it. Yes, uh, it's the same with uh, like the well, the Halloween in America. They've been celebrating it uh, for a long time. We only have a date 
because somebody was complaining about it. That's the only reason why we even know that it was celebrated before that in America. It already had a name. It already had customs. They already had had the jack-o'-lanterns as pumpkins for a long time. And then someone just complained about bringing it with them. The loud and obnoxious celebrations that they now call Halloween. And how do we stop this? Oh, yeah. They did the same thing with bell snickling. They actually succeeded more or less with bell snickling. Mm -hmm. They they complain about it with Christmas. Uh, Scrooge. Is pretty tame compared to the American city elites the that like Macy's to go after holidays. The um, parade. Uh, parade was created to get people to stop doing some of these, these customs. It doesn't mean that you don't participate in the parade. But why not bring back the older custom as well in conjunction with the parade? And the thing is that parade is dying off too. People are having less and less and less interest in it because it's becoming more and more commercialized i guess well where's the fun becoming a production well it's because i've tried to watch it because i used to like it when i was young mm-hmm. i don't know who the people i don't know what the balloons are supposed to be because i don't know any of those figures i don't care about the pop singers they get on the it it's, doesn't represent the actual culture it's right. like uh people complain about pop culture all the time to empty empty ceremony yes it's an obligation it's because we've talked about this with pop culture before Pop culture is not pop culture right now. That's why everyone hates it. Mm-hmm. No one actually, like most of the things presented as pop culture are not actually popular. They're either pushed in our face until we're basically brainwashed into liking it. Or in other cases, it's bots because of how weird society is. Mm-hmm. If you actually looked at what people actually like, if they're being honest, versus what is actually presented as popular by the culture at large, well, you have two is, different ways of looking brought at it. Up. Uh, and like search search uh, engines and search histories. This thing is pushed on us, but everybody is looking f- for this thing. So I don't know. Uh, the greatest movie of all time that just came out. I don't know. What's a movie that just came out? Um, uh, Avatar The Way of Water. Okay. Avatar The Way of Water. The most popular movie ever. So on and so forth. Nobody's looking for it. They're all looking for, uh, I don't know, um, an old movie. Everybody's looking up Starship Troopers and watching Starship Troopers. Nobody's actually looking. It's not that nobody's watching Avatar. It's just that it has to be pushed in their face before they'll watch it. And then they're only watching five minutes of it and clicking off from it where they're watching all of Starship Troopers. I mentioned Starship Troopers. I know that you hate it or don't hate it, but don't like it. But because I like it. so And I'm the one talking. So I get to say Starship Troopers, damn it. No disagreements here. But... Yeah, what's actually popular versus what's pushed as popular, two different things, and that's why popular movies, popular TV shows, popular music isn't so popular, but because everybody's told that's popular, they go along with it. It's just the way that it is. Well, people always try to do... It's empty ceremony. It's empty ceremony, but it's because people want to be able to communicate and talk and have common interests with people Mm -hmm. as kind of the point of the overall culture is even if, I don't know, Frank's a baker and Bob's a builder, they don't necessarily have anything in common, but they can both come together on a Halloween party. Yeah. They can both come together on an Easter celebration. Other than that, they might not have anything really in common and the only reason they bother talking to each other is their wives are friends (laughs) that's a whole another conversation but yeah there's there's these common through threads 
And everything that we do, even if it doesn't have a purpose that we can see today, there was a reason for it. Candy canes on the on the Christmas tree. Pieces of meat hung over the, the limbs in the forest or in the grove to feed the birds, the wolves, and ourselves. And it keeps them away from our little, uh, from our animals. So if we're giving them food out there, they just don't come up to the house looking for it because they don't have to. Makes sense. Well, what shape do you think a piece of meat will make when it's hung over a limb? It doesn't make a shepherd's crook, but it makes a shepherd's crook. And therefore, we end up with the shape of the candy cane. And a bishop says, oh, hey, people's already doing this here. I invented it. Look, see, kind of like Disney with I invented Snow White or Cinderella. Or Loki or pick a thing or Coca-Cola with I invented Santa Claus or all these other things. And that's the thing. Most things have a point. And then we lose the point at some point and they just stop mattering. Right. Well, it's like, for instance, let's go with food. Food in the modern day, like most, especially in America, I'm aware this is a problem in a lot of other countries too, but most food that you can buy at the store that isn't just raw ingredients, so whether it's crackers, cookies, anything that is mass produced for everybody, it's generalized to fuck. So it's for nobody. You want, if this is, you can't survive off it. You can keep alive. It might keep you alive just on the calorie count, but these foods are designed for everybody, so they are tasteless their texture is wrong people eat them but it's because it's hitting these notes of the same thing every freaking sentient animal wants right. which and is we sugars fats and salts and we have to eat uh, quite generally i've seen people eat things that make them sick claiming to like this thing that makes them sick and they're angry they're visibly angry while they're eating it and they've convinced themselves that they like it why because they're supposed to like it They've been told their whole life that they like it. But they're angry about eating it. It makes them sick. Do they actually like it? I'm willing to bet no. And and mostly because I've taken a couple of them and and talked to them, take the time to talk to them. And then eventually they admit they don't actually like it. And that's why they're angry when they're eating it. It's because they're supposed to like it, damn it. But they don't. So something's wrong with me. So I'm going to eat this until I like it. That's what happens when you take something that's made for everybody. It's made for nobody. Well, it's part of why holidays are dying off. Well, and it's it's nothing new. That's the thing is it it's gone into overdrive, but we have had things start to lose or become something that they weren't didn't used to be. And then they never revert back mm-hmm. like we've brought up um, beer before. And that beer used to be made with Groot, not hops. Mm-hmm. Hops has a negative effect on our people. It's estrogenic. But Groot is just a mixture of herbs. There's various different ways you can do it. It's not going to be as standardized as modern beer, but you're also not going to have the estrogenic, you know, craft beer soy look going on. Mm -hmm. And that's an old thing because that's been around for hundreds of years, the hops way of doing it. Yeah. And and the only reason I'm bringing this up is. It was literally for standardization. That's why they went with hops and it was cheap. Well, and if you go because people will bring up, well, beer is traditional. You're right. But the beer you're getting isn't traditional. So, yeah, our ancestors along. Well, it is if you're willing to count a couple hundred years. But then again, as a tradition that we should continue, I would argue no, except for as medicine. Well, it's like Black Friday is old enough to be traditional now. Mm -hmm. I would not say it's one I would wish we would continue. And that's the thing is 
at some point, if you turn the wrong direction and you end up, everything goes to heck. Do you keep doing the thing that's causing you harm? And that's the difference between, say, an ethnic way and the universalistic way. The universalistic way is usually the path of least resistance. But on the same token, it's usually really bad for you. Mm-hmm. These, definitely not good. Well, because everything that people will... Well, because there are elements of, say, folk Christianity that do have positive elements. Notice they're bas- the word folk Christianity. They're bastardized pagan elements. Mm-hmm. The pagan elements in and of themselves are actually better for you. So it's it's a little like you start out with a traditional European food. It's good for you. It's got all the stuff you like. And then over time, they try to make it for more and more people until it tastes like nothing, but you're still eating it. Yeah. And it's still got the same name. And it's why everything is so full of sugar, fat, salt. Is this the only thing everybody agrees they like? You need these things to stay alive. Yeah, Hostess actually got in trouble for admitting that out loud. Oh, yeah, they had to ban an episode of, what is it, How, how It's how, Made how or it's something? Made, something like that, yeah. One of those type shows. These customs, these things, they are designed to make us better. They're designed to make us actually more us, mm-hmm. stronger us, better us, bigger, faster, stronger, the $6 million man. Right. Well, and that's like a lot of people during Christmas. It's mercantile. It's it's perverted. It's bad because of the gifts. It's not the gifts fault. We've traditionally done gifts for a very long time, but we've allowed it to become mercantile and we've participated in the mercantile aspect of it. Not to be confused with vendors. Well, vendors just sell stuff, usually stuff they made. You have general stores, which typically they didn't make everything in the general store, but a general store is a good thing to have. I guess the way that you could could go with it is vendors are more personalized. They're part of the community, whereas merchants tend to be separate from the community in their own category. Yeah, because we've had merchants and the mercantile system for a very long time. Um Famous guy around the world. Uh, they even did a TV Marco show. Polo. Yes, Marco Polo. He was a merchant, and he was actually reviled in his own time by the regular people until the whole exploration part of it uh, came wait. into being. But while he was just a merchant, his own people hated him. Well, the love of the mercantile sort of business sense is very new. Mm-hmm. It started with like the celebrity businessman like 40, 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And yet we do have like the tycoons of like the turn of the century, like the Industrial Revolution. Those people, some of them were loved and most of them were absolutely hated, kind of like today. Oh, yeah. Well, there are always people that know how to make people like them. They know how to not cross certain lines, but most people don't do that. But that's the thing is technically speaking, vendor just means you're selling your services, which everybody does. Go to any fair or festival. And don't have any vendors and see how fun it well, is. Well, a state fair without vendors is probably about 90% empty. It's just open field, open field, butter carving contest. Oh, what do you want from me? There's no prize money, no vendors. Exactly. It's, the vendors are part of it. Uh, the vendors were present. It was actually, again, I only know this because the church complained about it. Well, the people, they're supposed to be giving us their money. Not these pesky vendors that they keep inviting to their celebrations. So the priests were complaining about the fact that these heathens have these celebrations. And then they invite in vendors. And sometimes vendors just show up. But if they're the wrong vendors, they get chased out. 
and they wouldn't allow the church vendors to participate. It had to be these other types of vendors because the church tried doing the whole, oh, hey, there's money here. We'll move move in and we'll chase everybody else out because we're the church and we'll do the vendors and the people weren't fucking having it and the church complained about it. That's the only reason why I even know about it. Vendors, we have done that for a very long time, whether it's the dude that makes swords or the dude that makes fucking baked goods. We have always done vendors or well, nearly always. Even if you go back to, well, what about Neanderthal? Yeah, people were trading back then too. Yes, and inevitably there'd be something. Of and we're still Neanderthals. Oh, yeah. Well, if you look at the actual scientific development of them, Neanderthal looked just like us. Specifically, it looks just like our friend Arca. Or uh, you get into the more generalized, it looks a lot more like uh, you, because we've joked before, all we got to do is put you in a stereotypical caveman outfit, stick you up in the North National and some national museum and just have you look like Just drug. stand still and scare the shit out of people by moving. Grug. Grug drag pretty woman back to a cave. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not what a lot of people think it is. Empty ceremony. We haven't lost a plot. It's all about empty ceremony. Everything that we've mentioned, it goes from having a purpose to ceremony and ritual because we just do it all the time and everybody knows what it is. And that turns into empty ceremony because people stop caring or don't know, and then they just kind of go through the motion, and then it becomes an obligation, and then it stops. Everything around us is filled with purpose. That's what the ethnic way is, is it teaches us the purpose so that we can live a life worth living. Well, and the reason we started with New Year's is because that's what's coming up. Yeah. That's what is about to happen. We're in the wind-down, wind-up, depends on how you mm -hmm. want to view it, of that celebration. So this is the best time to start thinking about future holidays because there's not really another big one for a while mm -hmm. uh, you got a few months before easter a few months after that before whatever summer celebration you have a few months after that for halloween or, or whatever. celebrations thanksgiving whatever all of these customs all of these rituals all of these ceremonies whatever you want to call them these traditions mm -hmm. they have a purpose and without that purpose everything becomes meaningless and it's not just a spiritual purpose because people will get into well you see it's a the reason for all the lights in winter is because of it's to welcome back the light no it's it's because it's dark out it's because it's dark it's out dark out and you need to see and it's fucking pretty when somebody wears a hat full of candles apparently yes it's it is kind of awe inspiring when it's really dark out well let's let's move into talking about some of the odd or not even odd things but some of the things that we do during celebrations like a maypole. What is a maypole? It, it, does it have to be 30 feet tall? Does it have to have the wagon wheel on the top that spins around and around and around? No. It can literally be a pole. It can be 6 foot tall. It can be 30 foot tall. It's just the it's the game pole. That's what it is. It's the game pole. It's what? the pole that you play games with, whether it's the dance that ties the braid around it, which what? is a type of rope making, to be honest, or we're throwing wreaths over it. Like uh, uh, there's toss. a yard game. Yeah, like ring toss. Whether it's target, uh, hang it up in Yule, it becomes a hunting game. We teach the young, the, the more experienced people get to show off. Like from 30 yards away, I can throw my spear through, the, through three wreaths and then still hit the target. Or, or shoot a bow and arrow through there or things of that nature. 
And really, we need to start bringing these sorts of purposes, this meaning back. Right. The Easter egg hunt. It's, it's teaching our young how to forage for eggs. Where do you look for the eggs? What do the eggs look like? I mean, we've strayed way far away from that. But we can easily, now that we understand, go back to that. It doesn't mean that we cannot make the intricate, ornate eggs that go up on the shelf and look at what I did. Isn't this amazing? But we can do literally the speckled eggs and let's imitate what a robin egg looks like. Let's imitate what a goose egg looks like. Let's imitate. And a chicken egg is a good blank canvas. Yeah, especially because most of them end up dyed nowadays. It's yeah. pretty rare to find a, a brown egg, uh, except until recently where they until pretty recently. much just they're like, fuck it. No more bleaching the eggs. We're just going to get them out as fast as we can. That's the thing is all these animals that are uh, and symbols that are associated with around that time period, sort of like in bulk through to Easter. I have some news for people that they're probably not going to like. It was the food. The, the symbols are the menu. It's yeah. dairy. It's baby animals, probably the ones that aren't going to make it. So you have a little bit of veal or lamb or whatever. Eggs, new sprouts of life and flowers. That's your that's your uh, roots if you can find them. But that's your that's your springtime menu because spring is actually a time of scarcity, yeah. which is something everybody's collectively forgot. Because if you, it's also why like the Easter ham is so important. Because if you still have a ham, holy shit, you planned well. You were good at planning for your food upkeep. Yes. Because the thing is, it's not just winter. You're not just saving food for winter at harvest. You're saving it for the first half of spring. Yeah. Because the most you're going to get is... Spring is actually a time of famine. Yes. So many animals die in the spring. Wild animals die in the spring because they literally starve to death. Well, it's like, uh, I think that's why the church instituted Lent, because they're notoriously bad at managing food crops. Right, yeah. Because they, every time the priests of the Christian church well, had gotten involved... And the priests and monks didn't really participate in Lent. That was for the peasantry. Yes. Well, they had to have their food. How else are they going to stay fat? Yeah. The thing is, most of these decorations, most of these, these party games that we play, most of these things that we do, they actually stem from a, a real pragmatic source. And it's important to know these things so that we can get away from empty ceremony and obligation back into doing what it actually is and give it back its meaning. The, the Yule log fire. Well, this is what it was. We don't have to do it exactly the same way. You don't even have to actually have the Yule log fire because a lot of us live in, in cities, apartments, in cities uh, and apartments, and we don't even have we, we can't even legally build a fire. Well, because like you've brought this up before, like people used to collectively burn their Christmas trees because mm -hmm. it's a giant freaking fire hazard. So why not have a, a big end of year tree burning? Yeah, party? Usually the, the mm -hmm. tree burnings and well, and I'm sure that there's still areas that do that do this but it's the new year and why throw the trees on it well because they put off sparks does this sound like some of the more urban celebrations where they do put off what are those things called oh yeah fireworks fireworks sparklers firecrackers all they those get things. the bands out there much like in a rural area you get the band. the urban areas are just imitating in the way that they can what the rural people have always done well, that's the thing is most traditions, they're not preserved. Well, they are preserved, but they're also corrupted by the elites, the mm -hmm. aristocracy. Well, and they want you to believe that it's corrupted so that you will stop doing it. Yes. The trick is, like I said, even something as seemingly modern as Frosty the Snowman is based on older customs. 
Santa Claus, same thing. The Yule tree, the Christmas tree, same thing. Gifts, stockings, almost everything we have is based on older customs. The trick is to not get rid of them. It's to decommercialize them. Mm -hmm. Take it from the mercantile side and bring it back to where it's supposed to bring be. it back home. And that's everything from New Year's through to next Christmas for our Lord and Savior, Chris Kringle. <laughs> for our Lord and Savior, Chris Kringle. I love it. Pull it back out of the hands of the mercantile and government entities, re regardless of whether it's the church or a government, and hand it back to the people where it belongs. And we need, we need to do this, especially as followers of the Hyperborean ethnic way. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. It just made me laugh. But there's, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to remind people of what the stuff actually is and that it's not important during Christmas for the everybody to have $1,000 spent on them on gifts. Your presence can be a present. It's fine. It's good. A gift given is not a, an obligation received. And if it is, just stop giving the gifts. Give gifts if you can. Give gifts tailored to the individual, not what they want, but what they need. That should actually be in the way that we give gifts. It's actually one of the biggest complaints people have about the holidays. You get a toy one year, and by next year you've forgotten it existed. You get like one brief bit of joy, and then all of a sudden you want more. It's why the gifts used to be more pragmatic. And if they got a toy, it was in the olden days when toys were not what they are now. Because, yeah. yes, like I said, most everything, even action figures, are based on older stuff versus you, you get older the customs. action figure of the Dogda as a kid 2,500 years ago. You also get with him all the stories. That's the important part. And that still happens with the action figures now you give a kid a action figure of captain america with captain america you're giving him all the stories of captain america well it's why they used to make entire tv shows with barely put together stories as giant toy commercials right he-man transformers it's because then there's stories with these things with the is it the hobby horse the one with the the mop handle and the horse's head on it Oh, yeah, that's the hobby horse, I believe. Okay, you, with the hobby, the gift of the hobby horse, you're giving them a practice horse before they get a horse because if they break the hobby horse, they what are they going to do to a real horse? If they can't take care of the freaking hobby horse, but there's also the games that goes with playing the hob with the hobby horse practicing racing the idea of racing or jumping or jousting like that that one uh one of my favorite paintings we, we put it up every now and then with the little kid with the on the bicycle and then the shadow yeah the shadows the night jousting yeah well it's like uh, one of the most common uh christmas presents in the past was a dog was yes. a puppy and then you were expected to train it and sometimes the hunt would give you the dog but there, there's other customs. There, there's, there's some potentially horrifying stuff comes from that one. Yes. But on average, if you get a St. Bernard as a kid puppy and you raise it to be a good guard dog, a good caretaker dog like Nana from Peter Pan or whatever, mm -hmm. then you have not only gotten something you need, but you also have companionship. You're giving someone a friend. You're giving someone an ally. You're giving someone the ability to be responsible. 
experience. There's many things that the dog can give. Well, and that's like electronics aren't necessarily off the fucking list of of gifts either. For instance, um, if you work at a place where you can listen to a radio, but the, the radio helps you work. Giving somebody a radio because they don't have one or their radio is all busted to shit, that's a good practical gift, actually. It might not be a gift that's going to go down through the generations, but for this year, that's a good gift. Well, as much as people want heirlooms, and we encourage people to have heirlooms, on average, most things aren't going to end up as heirlooms. Yeah. They're going to break. They're going to Even be if they're lost heirloom in the quality. Yes. Well, it's like uh, my family has a Cookie Monster cookie jar. It's already broken. We, we Someone got us a replacement because they broke it. But everyone in my family wants that cookie jar. It's probably going to end up broken before anybody gets it. Well, and even if it doesn't, some of the people are going to remember it as being the one that got broken. So then they, they forgot that it was ever broken, and in their mind, it's this, this other thing. The absolute truth of it doesn't matter. The idea of it matters. Well, it's like um, most things in museums are replicas. Yeah. It's not so much the fact that, I don't know, uh, the Mona Lisa is a replica. The point is, the Mona Lisa still exists. I would argue that there's no point in going to the museum just to see a replica, but that's me. Outside of the experience of going to the museum. Yes. At that point, you're going to see the Louvre. You're not going to see the things in the Louvre. You're going to see the Louvre itself. And preferably with people that you care about. All right, so we've hit that time. This conversation, I'm sure, is going to spill over into the the next episode that we have, but... And enjoy time with family and friends. Celebrate the new year. And uh, l- let's let's keep moving forward. All right. I'm out. See you guys next week, I think. Happy New Year's from the Lorekeeper. And goodwill to all and Auld Lang Syne. I'm out. <laughs>